This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. I want to welcome you to the City of God. I'm Rob Pacienza, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Rabe, where every week we're going to be discussing the big cultural issues uh, that Christians are facing, and we want to look at them through the lens of God's infallible word. Uh, John, this month we would have celebrated the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Thankfully, this was the first year uh, that we're uh, recognizing that Roe has been overturned um, and no longer the law of the land, uh, as, as we know back in 1973, that landmark case that legalized abortion on demand in uh, all 50 states in the union. It's the thing, Rob, that pro-lifers worked so hard for, for literally half a century. And it's rather amazing now, as you say, as we mark the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, that it exists no more. Struck down by the Supreme Court in the Dobbs decision, they admitted forthrightly that it was wrongly decided, it was badly decided. The the dirty little secret among uh, legal professionals has been for 50 years that even those who agreed with the Roe ruling recognized that in terms of law, in terms of legal reasoning, it was a terrible decision based on essentially nothing. Harry Blackman's decision that, that really had no legal reasoning in it, not an ounce of legal reasoning, as Judge Robert Bork once said. Uh, and so the Supreme Court overturned it. And, and so we have our first anniversary post-row of that decision. Of course, that means there's still a lot of work to be done because uh, the fact that it's not a constitutional right doesn't suddenly make it illegal in all 50 states. In fact, it doesn't make it illegal anywhere just on the basis of that decision. Absolutely. I actually just reminded my congregation uh, recently that uh, Roe was the battle, right. uh, but the but the war continues exactly. uh, to defend the unborn. And one of the things that you often hear in the pro-life camp is that we want to uh, it, it's not our goal to simply make abortion illegal. We want to make it unthinkable. And as you just mentioned, it now goes back to the states. And that's why the battle continues. Uh, this war to defend the uh, unborn continues. It, uh, there, we still need to vote. We still need to challenge our legislatures. Uh, we need to pray uh, that now the states will uphold uh, the, the rights of those in the womb. Right. And it's almost a cliche to say, but it really is true when you say the battle has just begun. Because uh, all Rome meant is that no matter how many people we convinced, we still could not outlaw abortion. Now, at least if we're able to convince our fellow Americans, we could bring it to an end. But we have to do that hard work of convincing them. And uh, that's become harder over the years because our nation's conscience has become hardened. 63 million children estimated who have been killed by abortion so far in the United States since 1973. And uh, of course, the pro-abortion lobby is hard at work still right now to attack anybody who does and kowtow to their ideology. I don't know about you, but it just seems like the radical ideology that you just mentioned has just ramped up since Roe. Yeah. Um, uh, those that want to defend a woman's choice to abort the baby, just the radical ideology, the talking points, the the protests, even some of the signs you see, they're just so uh, just repulsive. I mean, we're talking about a human being, and, and it's it, it's interesting um, we've seen this this deconstruction of vocabulary. Mm. We've seen this deconstruction of even language. Historically, we know that uh, the Judeo-Christian 
uh, worldview has informed uh, God's people uh, that life inside uh, the womb and outside of the womb, you take that life, it's called murder. Right. Uh, we now call it abortion, healthcare, reproductive rights or reproductive justice. And you can even see just the the radical ideology of even twisting the words, redefining terms. Um, but we shouldn't be surprised, right? Isaiah told us, right. uh, woe to those that would call good evil and evil good. And, uh, the Apostle Paul that said, uh, beware of those that would twist the truth of God for a lie. But we just see this radical ideology ramping up even more in a post-Roe America. And I guess, Rob, that's the nature of sin. You know, we we sinners find new and ever more creative ways to sin, and yet it's all at root sort of the same thing. It's worthy of its own series of podcasts that hopefully we'll get to at some point, talking about the way language is played with in all of these battles. That really is the battleground of our culture wars, everything from pronouns, to what we call abortion and these terms being redefined, you know, where re- somehow the murder of human children in the womb is now termed justice in some way. Well, you have to take radical leave of anything we've ever meant by these terms in order to use them. And, and so you're right, this, the culture is really digging in. Not everybody, there's, there's some sort of intrinsic thing where we seem to recognize the value of human life, but we want to debate it when it comes to the pre-born. Absolutely. And then you have the issue of cancel culture. Anybody that does stand for life, anybody that does stand for uh, God's definition of when life begins, uh, that that life doesn't begin outside the womb, but Psalm 139 says from the moment of conception, right, that's when life begins. God looks at the what David calls the unformed substance, but there's personhood. He he looks at that life in the womb and it's a person. So the issue with cancel culture is anybody actually holds to that, what the progressive secular culture deems this archaic view of humanity and life, uh, they're immediately canceled. Anybody that dares to stand for life from the moment of conception is immediately canceled because of the rampant radical ideology in our secular culture today. And case in point, most recently, we see uh, who I'm a big fan of, uh, former NFL head coach Tony Dungy, uh, who not only is a Hall of Fame coach, but also a devout Christian, most recently speaking at the March for Life uh, in Washington, D.C. Yeah, of course, this is uh, football playoff season, and and so many of our football fan listeners are very uh, familiar with Coach Dungy, but he spoke at the March for Life uh, just in the last week or two, and he made the connection, and I think rightly and perceptively so, between the DeMar Hamlin incident. He was the young man who was uh, who suffered cardiac arrest on the field in the Buffalo Bills Monday Night Football game a few weeks ago, thankfully, thank the Lord, has recovered and looks like he's on his way to a full recovery. Uh, But uh, Tony Dungy talked about that incident and compared it with what's happening in abortion in America today. Let's have a listen to what he said at the March for Life. You know, an unbelievable thing happened that night, a professional football game with millions of dollars of ticket money and advertising money on the line. That game was canceled. Why? Because a life was at stake. And people wanted to see that life saved. Every day in this country, innocent lives are at stake. The only difference is they don't belong to a famous athlete and they're not seen on national TV. But those lives are still important to God and in God's eyes. 
Rob, I think he makes such a key point there. You know, you look around, we we see that our culture does have some understanding of the, the value of human life. The whole country stopped to pray for this young man. And yet somehow when it comes to the child inside the womb, we uh, we just put it away and say, well, that's not the same thing. And, and we have a different attitude about it altogether. Coach Dungey, it seems to me, is absolutely right to equate. Well, that way it was a br- brilliant to, to make the connection. We do instinctively value life as, you know, the, the old adage says there's no no uh, fo- uh, no atheists in right. foxholes. <laughs> um, everybody uh, deep down inside understands the value of life. That's why you saw in that Monday night football game the religious and the irreligious, you yeah. know, people that have no faith commitment, what were they doing? They were stopping and they were praying uh, for them. Maybe it was praying to the unknown God <laughs> that Paul refers <laughs> right. to, but still there was this, the, there was this deep sense of longing to reach out to the transcendent, uh, to treat, mm-hmm. to reach out to a God, whether they believe that God was there or not, or whether he was listening or not, they, there was an in- instinct yes. uh, to, to, to cry out to help. And so by Tony Dungy making that connection, connection, uh, we need to understand wh- where does life begin? If life is sacred on the football field uh, for a for an athlete, then if it's a human being in the womb, why is that life uh, just as sacred? And so, uh, but it, it, it is interesting to see the, the backlash right. that Tony is getting for uh, making that stand, for making that connection. Listen to some of the, uh, some of the headlines. We've got uh, Tony Dungy attends March for Life rally and fans call for his firing. Uh, Tony Dungy's actions have sparked some um, uh, uh, fire amongst uh, fans and social media, and the NBC football analyst attended and spoke at the annual March for Life. Uh, Tony Dungy is a right-wing zealot, and the, and the NFL and NBC just don't care. Uh, by the way, on social media all weekend, they were calling for his firing. They couldn't believe, I think he did the Saturday um, evening game, the Saturday night football game. And it was just amazing to see, uh, the vitriol, uh, that was, um, just cast, uh, uh, uh towards, uh, Tony Dungy. Uh, another headline NBC should finally call time on Tony Dungy's amiable, uh, right wing zealotry. And it just goes on and on. And, and Rob, here's the thing at that speech, he didn't stand there and castigate women who had had abortions. He didn't demonize anybody from up there. He was simply pointing out, we recognize recognize the value of human life on the one hand, let's recognize it on the other. And this is deemed fireable behavior by a huge segment of our population. Now, I think the media blows it out of proportion because uh, the vast majority of people writing these columns and controlling the media outlets are themselves politically liberal and pro-abortion, much more out of whack with the the rest of the country. But still, just for stating that we should protect these lives, oh, it's right-wing Tony Dungy again. And of course, Coach Dungy goes through this about once a year just for standing up for his Christian convictions. The reality is, Robin, you're the pastor of a congregation. And so I know you're always equipping your people. We Christians, just for holding Christian views, are going to have to be prepared at certain points to pay a price just for holding what should be uncontroversial views. A- absolutely, I know the, the the main topic today is is abortion and 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 Tony Dungy's comments, but it really you do bring up a, a great point about the persecution. I mentioned earlier this issue of cancel culture. Uh, we are living in a in a in an era in a time where if you hold to uh, values and virtues and convictions that are defined by the Word of God, just be prepared. 
prepared. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to be canceled. That's that is the whole game uh, that the secular culture is playing right now. Um, they can cancel you, demonize you, silence you, shame you uh, if you hold to viewpoints that are contrary to where the culture is heading. Which is quite ironic because we've heard uh, from the secular culture for decades uh, that we want to bring in an era of tolerance. Right. Uh, we want to bring in a, in an era where all views are accepted. No, no, no. It's 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 all views that go along with this secular agenda uh, to secularize the uh, to the, the the culture, and so we should just be prepared uh, to face this persecution, to be silenced, to be canceled, uh, and we we need to speak up and speak out and come together as the people of God, uh, because it will be coming together in mass that will be able to fight this good fight together. And God bless Tony Dungy, because as I mentioned, it seems that this happens about once a year to him, where there's some big campaign to try to get him fired, simply for being a Christian and living out those convictions in, in public and not trying to hide them at all. Uh, and it's a reminder to me of, of the instructions and the warnings even that Jesus gives his followers, uh, Luke chapter 21, among other places, he says, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance. You will gain your lives. So there's certainly reward in being faithful. And we're all coming to a time of testing probably sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And, and I think in this issue in particular that we're focusing on today, this issue of, of life and the sanctity of human life, we just need to be aware and be a realist and understand we live in a culture of death. Mm. Uh, it is a culture that does not value the sanctity of human life, uh, what's being taught in our uh uh, college classrooms, what's being taught in even our elementary classrooms, uh, that you have a, you've evolved, you're a cosmic accident, there is no value of life from womb to the tomb that is uh, transcendent or absolute or objective, and uh, we see it all the way up to uh, government. I mean, early this month, uh, every House Democrat voted against legislation that would require medical care. Uh, for babies born alive after an abortion. Clearly, uh, from the legislature uh, to the classrooms, uh, we are living in an era where generations of children and young adults are growing up in a nation that does not value the sanctity of human life from whim to the tomb. There was only one Democratic dissenter. Uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas was the one Democrat who voted against it, but all 210 others' uh, votes came from from, from Democrats, unfortunately. And again, let's remember the purpose of this bill was that babies who there had been an attempted abortion on and who were born alive nevertheless, this this bill was simply saying once they're once they're born and they're still alive, let's let's give them help and protect their lives. At that point, they're out of the body, they're born, and uh, and 210 Democrats still said nope. I mean, almost half the House of Representatives said nope. We still need to kill that child. Uh, Mark, uh, Rob, we, we've we've talked about the hardening that has happened here. And of course, the phrase used to be, let's keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. 
Uh, that's often no longer the case. Now you have the movement called Shout Your Abortion, where they've sort of followed the logic, recognizing, okay, if we're going to say that there's nothing wrong with this, that it's perfectly acceptable, that that's just a bundle of cells, then why should it be rare? Why should it be something that troubles our conscience? Most people, most women recognize there's something going on there and their, their consciences are troubled, often for years and decades, for the rest of their lives. Uh, but now there's this hardening that says, nope, it's, it is. If, if well, let's be consistent, it is a bundle of cells. Let's just decide uh, that we're going to shout our abortion. We're going to celebrate our abortion. So it seems to continue to get darker and darker in that regard. Again, we find endless ways to sin. But what is the biblical position? At the end of the day, this isn't really just a scientific argument, though the science shows us that that baby, even at the very beginning stages, is a completely separate being with separate DNA, a distinct human being. But what's the biblical position? Why is this such an important issue to Christians specifically? Yeah, uh, we need to have a long view of history, John, uh, that we are not the first generation that has faced uh, fighting to defend the unborn. Um, you look at all of the pagan empires uh, that uh, are written about in the Old Testament, uh, whether it was the Babylonian Empire, or the Assyrian Empire, uh, leading all the way up to the Roman Empire, uh, there was such a low value of life. That's why abortion and infanticide were rampant. Um, but what changed that? It was always those who held to the Judeo-Christian worldview that life begins at conception. We call it the Imago Dei, mm. uh, the image of God. And so uh, one of the things that we have to do, we've got to get that back to that foundational truth. We need to be raising up young men and women that have a firm foundation for life from the moment of conception. We need to be teaching our children and our grandchildren uh, what it means to be conceived in the image of God, that you are your worth and your value is not found in uh, what you do and what you accomplish, but your worth and value is intrinsic, uh, that it, it comes from the reality that you have been conceived in the image of God, uh, that all human life is sacred. So we've got to be teaching that from the pulpits. We've got to be teaching that in the Sunday school classrooms. Parents and grandparents have to be teaching that around the dining room table. Children, this is where your value come from. We're raising a generation that does not value life. This doesn't begin in college. This begins when they're young, when they're in home, when they're being discipled and catechized. We've got to return to that foundational truth of the image of God in all people. And if that is true, we need to change the way we talk about babies. Uh, th that, that life in the womb is a soul. If it's created in the image of God, conceived in the image of God, then that's a soul. We need to teach our children uh, to be talking with that kind of language. Uh, it's, it's a real human soul that has value, that has purpose and destiny uh, and created in the in image of God. We also need to remember as the church that science and faith are not enemies. Mm -hmm. And so we need to know the facts. Uh, we've heard a lot the last couple of years, trust the science. Well, well, here's the science you can trust. The science you can trust is the advancements in ultrasound and technology. The, I don't know if you've seen recently some of the technology of like, I think they call it the 3D ultrasound. I mean, it's amazing it to really see uh, what uh, progressive secular culture uh, wants to call a, a just a, a clump of cells. No, you see it. Uh, this human being inside the womb has its own brain, has its own heart, has its own uh, genetic uh, coding. 
I mean, it is a, it, it is not just one life. It is two life, mother and human. So while the moms are saying, my body, my choice, the baby inside the womb is saying, my body, no choice. Uh, it, so we need to be teaching uh, our uh, the people of God that science and faith are not enemies. Uh, that technology shows us that this is a real human being inside the womb with a soul and with a destiny. And then I think, as always, as we always talk about on this program or our television program, uh, the Christian faith is not a private faith. Yes, it's deeply personal, but it is public. And we need to be salt and light. And when we walk out of church on the weekend uh, and we uh, hit hit the ground running on Monday, we need to understand our role in this cultural moment. Uh, We need to still continue to advocate for life. Uh, We need to defend life and vote for life. Uh, We need to hold our state legislatures accountable, uh, that if it really is a human being inside the womb, our laws need to reflect that and Christians need to be leading the way. And then we need to be volunteering. Uh, We need to be volunteering with our pregnancy centers. I saw a stat recently that just this past year, pregnancy centers in America offered free services valued at $270 million. Mm. You can't tell me that pregnancy centers in America are not making a difference, but it's the people of God volunteering, setting them up, funding them. So, so much that we can do, uh, but what an incredible time uh, to be a Christian uh, with a long view of history and uh, being salt and light to defend those that can't defend themselves. We have so many cultural sort of tributaries that feed into this river as well. It seems to me that uh, also... Uh, one of the the aspects of this problem is our our current sexual ethic where you know you've seen it's not a coincidence to me that you have this explosion you have Roe v Wade in 1973 this explosion of abortion in America and frankly worldwide uh since that period coinciding with the sexual revolution there really is a darkness here because uh, and it's not just in America it's worldwide but people have more and more put their their sexual expression, their quote unquote sexual liberty, their ability, their their willingness and desire to have uh, to have sexual relations without any sort of responsibility, without any sort of repercussions, without any uh, product of that uh, of that sexual expression. That's more and more demanded, and and so we, as long as we continue to have people who view sex as recreation, we're also going to have an abortion problem. It seems that we really need to get our minds straight on some key issues that. underlie all of this absolutely and it just keeps going back to that that cardinal truth of the image of god in all people uh you erase that from a culture and a society there's no value on on human life uh the the government and culture then define sexuality and gender uh diminishing the value of marriage between one man and one woman diminishing the value of sexuality and you just see the trickle effect um you you see the way we treat each other the you see the the rampant school shootings you see the sexual revolution. You see the radical ideology concerning life and abortion, um, uh, calling it reproductive justice instead of calling it murder. It all goes back to the diminished value of life. You remove an absolute being from the public square. You remove an absolute being from the culture. Uh, You're going to remove absolute truth. You're going to remove anything that is objective in its grounding of a culture's values and uh, their virtues. One other thing that I think that we we also need to get right here, uh, you're a dad, I'm a dad, and, and we have a culture that 
because of all this has perhaps stopped valuing children the way that they ought to. Yes, they're created in the image of God and the Bible tells us they are a blessing to us. We've, I'm afraid, culturally stopped seeing children as a blessing and started seeing them as a burden or at least something to be weighed with our other aspirations. So maybe kids are nice, but that's one lifestyle choice. And my other lifestyle choice is a sports car or a larger house or a better career. And that's a flawed view of what children should be to us yeah. as well. Well, if, if humanity is not sacred, if, if there is no intrinsic value and worth that comes from God, then children are just as valuable as your dog. And unfortunately, you see in our culture, some people treat their pets yeah. better than they treat their children. I mean, <laughs> right? True. I mean, there's really a, a yeah, I mean, they, they, they put them on a pedestal the way they treat them. Uh, but what should we expect um, in, in a culture and a society that has no, uh, that does not believe that there is intrinsic value and worth in human beings, uh, then anything's fair game. Uh, and and ap- we absolutely do. We need to return as Christians teaching our uh, children the value of of life, uh, the value of marriage, the value of sexuality and gender as it's defined by God. You strip that away, then everything else is out the window. Uh, The last thing I'll say about this, we also need to uh, promote the value of fathers. Yes. Uh, we know absent fathers mm. in the home and absent fathers in these relationships uh, do nothing but continue to advance uh, the abortion crisis in America. So we need to celebrate fathers, celebrate dads, celebrate the nuclear family as it's defined uh, by God. But John, I think that's all the time we have uh, today, but thank you so much for joining me today on this important topic. Thanks, Rob. It's a thrill to be here as we 50 years past Roe are finally living in a world where Roe v. Wade has been overturned. A lot of work to do, but still I praise God for the hard work of everybody who made that happen. I want to thank you for listening to the City of God podcast made in partnership with Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church's Institute for Faith and Culture. This is a weekly podcast, so make sure that you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, and be sure to watch the video version on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.